Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 through 9, together. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. And you shall love Jehovah your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words which I command you today shall be upon your heart and you shall repeat them to your children and speak about them when you sit in your house and when you journey on the way and when you lie down and when you rise up in this session we like to have some fellowship about godly families what the church needs actually what the society needs is godly families. And how can we, how can we build up a kind of atmosphere in our homes that is conducive for the church life and that is attracting to our own children, not only our own children, even their friends, even, even others that come through our open homes. Brother Nee, I'd like to recommend this writing, Brother Nee, Watchman Nee, he has a message on parenting or parents uh, in the series, in the series uh, entitled Messages for Building Up New Believers. Messages for Building Up New Believers. There are three volumes. It's in the second volume. Actually, so many wonderful practical things in that volume, uh, even just for the husbands and wives. Actually, even before that, concerning courtship, for those who are before the Lord, concerning their future marriage, there's fellowship on uh, uh, courtship, there's fellowship on the husband and wife relationship, and there's fellowship concerning parenting. And in there, you will find, actually, I think there's about 10 points that uh, Brother Nee brings out that are so helpful uh, for the family. But one of them, one of them is the matter of having a family altar. A family altar, A-L-T-A-R. And having family worship. Having family worship. Now, when some <clears throat> uh, parents uh, see that, uh, maybe out of this kind of a burden, there's some zeal, then uh, they may go to rush to institute something. We have to read the Bible together to the, to the children. I would say, don't go so fast. Don't go so fast if that's not been the habit in your family. Of course, if you have very young children, you can start tonight. You can start tonight to have a kind of an atmosphere uh, and, and build up that kind of a long-term habit. Uh, however, even if you do, even if you do, what we'd like to emphasize here is not any practice, not any practice, but rather we hope that all the saints would see the burden 
even to have a vision, and maybe through the fellowship, find a way. Because we have to be very clear that all of our children are different. All of our children under the Lord's sovereignty, they are different. Even among our children, we have three children, they are different than one another. And so we cannot expect that the same things that one family carries out will necessarily translate to another family. We have to have that kind of a flexibility. We have to have that kind of openness to the Lord to lead each family. But the main point that I would like to bring out at the beginning is that even if you have the desire to have such a kind of family worship, such a kind of a practice of enjoying the Lord together, there needs to be a foundation for that. There needs to be a foundation. And that foundation is actually our living. Our living. Both are living personally, each of us, before the Lord. That's why we wanted to sing this particular hymn before this session, 403, Live Thyself, Lord Jesus, Through Me, For My Very Life Art Thou. But also, also, there is the living as a couple, as a couple. Of course, I understand there are families with different situations, and we do hope that through this fellowship, the enemy would not have any ground to weaken anyone or to accuse anyone. We all are in our current situations under the Lord's sovereignty. But in a a regular family, there is a mom and a dad with the, with the children. There might be other family members. But we'll talk about this. The relationship and the oneness between mom and dad is of utmost importance. So what I'd like to do as we go through this session is to go through a number of principles. Um, I'll just mention a few things concerning the, these points. And uh, I do hope that in this session there will be adequate time for some testimonies and responding because in this case we need to learn from one another. There are some who have gone before and yes, we would admit, we would admit, maybe regretfully, we made mistakes. But, but the key is to learn from your mistakes. Learn from the mistakes so that those mistakes are not propagated so we learn, actually, others can, can benefit from what we learn. And by the Lord's mercy, sometimes we learn, and it's still not too late. So we're able to find a way in our own families. But we do hope that through the corporate fellowship, there could be some hope for the going on of the families in, in, in the church life. The first thing I'd like, to, I'd like to mention is the matter of atmosphere the atmosphere in our home and primarily the atmosphere in our home must be an atmosphere of love an atmosphere of love has to be established in every home in this I relate to you something that brother Nee says in that chapter that I mentioned he says that this is so important but in some families, in some families, 
the atmosphere is not like this. Rather, the atmosphere is like a law court. And the children, when something happens, are so afraid of coming to confess to the parents because of the judgment that they will receive. And, of course, there is the matter of discipline. There is the matter of discipline that's necessary. And Brother Nee says some things in, in, in that chapter. So, this love does not mean looseness. Love does not mean looseness. Love does not mean you let the children develop uh, on, on their own. That's a kind of a, a philosophy uh, as well. No discipline. No, actually, it says very clearly in Hebrews, whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. Discipline is an, uh, an expression of, of love. But even how we discipline should be full of love. Full of love. And, and this is one point that, that all parents of all ages uh, have, to, have to learn. We should never, we should never discipline in or out of anger in or out of anger. Then it's flesh dealing with flesh. We have to, even our discipline should be in the Lord and according to Christ. And that sometimes is not so easy. We need to be dealt with first before dealing with our children. Sometimes, sometimes I, I notice uh, I, 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 from observation um, some parents, this is even when in my, in my high school days, I remember such a situation where there was an incident, a boy was naughty, and the mommy would say, go to your room and wait for me. Oh, later I found out, actually, that was so that she could call on the Lord and have the Lord apply the cross to her anger so that when she would go and discipline the child, it would be something with a proper spirit. Sometimes, she told me, sometimes she waited too long. The anger ceased. And eventually she felt, oh, I, should forg- I don't even have the heart to discipline. And then the Lord would tell her, no, no, you have to follow through. And now she has to take the cross to discipline. Very interesting. Very interesting dynamic. But that is an example of a person in Christ who takes Christ as their person, even in the matter of the discipline. Our home should have an atmosphere of love. And that, and that <clears throat> comes or is fostered by, fostered by, uh, which one? Let me write this one next. Communication. and interest or showing interest. All children, when they're first born, they're developing, growing up, is very spontaneous. It's very spontaneous. Anything and everything that happens to them, their first reaction is, Mommy! Yeah, I guess sometimes it's daddy, but from, from, what I, from what I've observed, it's usual, oh, there's daddy, daddy, yeah, because she's looking for mommy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So 
from what I've observed, I don't know, maybe your families were different, but, but mommy is the initial, initial response. And, and, and actually, when Brother, when Brother Nee's talking about this point uh, of love, he says parents should establish a friendship with their children. You know, friend, parent, those are two different relationships. Parent, you don't choose. Friend, you choose. You choose, one chooses their friends. It should be that the children choose to be in this relationship. That when something, this is what Brother Nee says, when something good happens, you're the first one they think of telling. When something bad happens, you're the first one they think of telling. And all parents have that spontaneously initially with nearly every child. As they grow up, as they grow up, and as they're properly groomed to be, to have some independence, they, they should have independence. They should be able to do things on, on, on their own. That's very normal. That's very proper. But there's no need for distance to develop. There's no need for distance to develop. Distance begins to develop when we are negligent. When we're negligent. When we stop showing interest. When we stop having communication. And this, we all know, when you see, you know, e- even not with our own children, when this, in the small group meetings, when you go to another saint's home, and a little child is there, and you get closer to them, and they're involved with something, wouldn't you, wouldn't you ask them, oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? Actually, don't you know what they're doing? You know what they're doing. Yeah. But don't you ask, oh, what are you doing? And actually, you probably wouldn't ask like this. You probably would ask like this. Actually, the best way is just sit on the floor next to them. I was, I was told this. I was told this at the break time that I think this happened in this session, uh, earlier session, while we were here. There was, a, there was a, a boy working with some, I don't know, it was like sticks or... Anyway, I don't think they were dominoes, but that's what they looked like in the, in the picture. Uh, my father used to play dominoes. Uh, and, and then an older sister, actually a grandma, sat at the table and started not, not interacting with him, doing the same thing, doing the same thing he was doing. And the boy sat so calmly, look up, down. They didn't communicate in words. But I was told, I, actually I don't know this boy, I was told this boy is very active, hardly ever would sit. But because grandma just sat there and was interested in his things and he's looking to see how she did it, and then he did, there was a silent communication. Do you see how she entered his world? She entered his world. With our children, that's how they're, they're, they're playing with the dolls, with the toys, with the Legos, with, with sometimes with cardboard, sometimes with something. We, and you get into their... It's easy to get into their world. Okay, question is, when does that stop? 
when does that stop? Did it stop? You know, often it stops. It changes. The situation changes. But, of course, the form may change because they get older. But, but there must be a way. There must be a way to maintain that kind of contact with them. You know, this word interest, I, I, I'm using this word purposely. Uh, Brother Lee, Brother Witness Lee, he has a, uh, a message. Um, it's entitled, How to Lead the Young People. How to Lead the Young People. It's just a one, one message. It's actually in a booklet. booklet. And in this booklet, I mean, in this message, he's encouraging the saints in general to shepherd the young people. And he has six, uh, six points. And the first point is show interest. Show interest in their things. In their things. And I think the, the next point or the third one is have talks, personal talks. But when you talk to them, when you approach them, don't talk anything spiritual. Now he's talking about teenagers. Of course, with the children, you wouldn't talk the spiritual things. You talk about Legos, right? You talk about toys. But even with the middle school and the high school, he says, our tendency would be, we see them and we ask, did you have morning watch? How's your morning watch this week? Did you go to the meeting? What did you enjoy in your young people's meeting? Can you tell me about your, your, your meeting? He said, for at least ten times... Don't talk about anything. Some of the saints' reaction is, I, I don't know what else to talk about. I, I wouldn't, because if it's not the Bible, I, I don't know what to talk about and I don't have any heart to talk about. Oh, but the point is, you have to take the cross and show interest in their things. You know, the Lord Jesus, he's our best example. He's our best example. You know, on the road to Emmaus, Remember that story at the, end of, at the end of Luke, Luke 24? These two discouraged disciples, and they're walking the wrong direction. The wrong direction. Okay. What was his goal in this conversation? Was it not to turn them around to go back to Jerusalem? Because at the end of the story, they go back. They go back to the upper room. And that evening... You have to put the puzzle pieces together. That same evening, if you go to John 20, you realize he was going to appear to them and breathe into them the, the, the spirit, right? To, to regenerate them. This was the initiation of, of, of the church. He wanted them there. Did he ever tell them to go back to the meeting? You look at that story. No, no, no. What does he do? He walks with them. Do you know how long? I, I think it says, uh, I, I forget the number there, 60 stadia or something, but actually seven miles or 11 plus kilometers. 11 kilometers. Can you imagine Jesus walking with them? And you know, when people are sad, and they were sad. It says at one point when he came up to them, they stopped. They stopped. So he stopped. You know, when people are sad, they walk slow. 
and so so this wasn't uh, this wasn't a, like a speed walking. Yeah, hours walking in the wrong direction. The glorified Jesus in resurrection, but he didn't come. He didn't come. You know, glowing. He came as a man alongside and walked at their pace. And then asked questions. You know the questions he asked? What are you talking about? And they, they stopped looking sad. They, they actually told him, they told him something like this. Actually, only one is named, uh, Cleopas. Are you the only one in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have transpired? Did, did Jesus forget? Like, oh yeah, I died and resurrected. <laughs> no, he knew what they were talking about. And do you know what, how he responds? He says, Are you the only one that doesn't know all the things that transpired? And he, he says, what things? <laughs> Why? Oh, to shepherd. Why? To get them to talk. To get them to unload. To get them to breathe out their sorrow. Their preoccupation. He just walked alongside. This is what we're talking about. You know, some years ago I realized, oh, I apply this for so many young people. I should apply this for my own children. And I, since then I encourage all the parents, read this book. And first apply this with our own families. Just walk alongside with no judgment and no correction at first. Enter into their situation. Now I tell you, parents that have this little children, you have this already. Just never lose it. Never get so busy. Never get so busy with life. Even with the children. You're, you're busy with them. But you're busy with affairs, not with their souls. Pay attention to their souls. Have quiet times with them to talk and to draw their heart out. Draw their heart out. There'll be no inhibitions. There's no inhibitions. You want to preserve that as much as possible. Walk alongside. You know, eventually, when it's the right time, he began to bring in the scripture. But what happened? What happened? You know, later, when they get to the house, even then, you know, uh, before getting to the house, they come to a certain fork in the road, and you read verse 28, Luke 24, 28. It says, they came to this fork in the road, and, and they, they live this way, and, and he, he said, oh, I'm going this way. Oh, why did he do that? It said, it's, it actually says, he acted as if he would go further. He acted as if he would go further. That's the God-man. He acted as if he would go further. Then they must have pleaded with him. No, no, please. Come with us. Can you not imagine him saying, Oh, mm, I wouldn't want to impose. And then, no, 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 not an imposition at all. Please come. And then the Lord would say maybe... Okay, but maybe for a little while. And then they go to the house. And then you know what happened, right? When he, he prays, their eyes are opened. 
he disappears. Oh, saints. This to me is the pattern of shepherding. The top pattern of shepherding. And this actually is the top pattern of parenting too. To just walk with people. You say something, but in a measured way of the Lord, when the, when the time is right. And what do they say? They said, we're not our hearts burning within us? You know, before something burns, what hap- it's the warm-up period, right? So it must have been their hearts were warmed up, strengthened, encouraged, now interested. Oh, saints, we, we sometimes, by our presentation of the word, we jump, expecting people to be burned. But in a, we end up burning them in a negative way. Not this kind of burning. We want their hearts to be warmed up. The question is their hearts. They mention, we're not our hearts burning. Parents, our quest is a quest to gain the hearts of our children. To gain the hearts of our children. We have that to a certain extent that needs to be developed. That needs to be developed. And we take advantage of every opportunity to have their heart, interest, and communication. And of course, this is easier to say than to do. And especially, again, we don't want the enemy to come in and um, cause any stumbling, any discouragement. Because we're all at different stages, I mentioned before, from, from infants through children that have children. And we're at different stages of this with, with, with our children. Of course, I've, I've fellowshiped this in many places. And one thing that many grandparents say is, I have a second chance with my grandchildren. And actually, to have the proper shepherding of grandchildren could open the hearts of our children. So, pay attention to that. But parents, we have this to a certain extent. And it still has to be nurtured. It has to be nurtured as they get older. Um, I may have mentioned this in one occasion. Maybe it was to the serving ones this past November. But I'd like to bring this example. Because I mentioned something like this in one locality. And a sister uh, gave a a testimony to confirm this fellowship, especially this matter of communication and interest. And she told us, uh, it was a very honest testimony. She told us that she was on the phone one time and her daughter, who was about 15 years of age, rushes in very excited and she's having fellowship with a, another sister. And the, the young girl, the young girl had just come home from the movies and she says, Mommy, Mommy, I got to tell you, she was so in, uh, just uh, enthralled with this, with this uh, movie. She, went to, she started to talk about it, even though, I mean, it's like she didn't even realize the mother was on the phone. Then the mother covers the phone and says, Dear, you know I'm not interested in these kind of things. The daughter turned around and went, and then she got back to her fellowship. And she told us, 
she told us that as she looked back, she realized that that day changed the relationship with her daughter. And she didn't realize it. But the daughter stopped coming to her with things. And she did not notice that until this fellowship came. Oh, saints, we need to exercise to be interested. And I realized that for many parents, it's not that easy because many things that our young people are interested in, we're not interested in. Actually, sometimes we feel, these are bad for them. Why would I be interested in it's an investment to spend a little time just to know some of the things. It doesn't mean you have to get into the thing. You know, another, another pattern of, of um, shepherding is what we see in John 21. In John 21, this is another example. Seven brothers, they are where they should not be. You know, they go fishing. This was even after the Lord's resurrection. They go fishing. Where are they? On the sea. They went backwards. They went back to the world. You know, the the sea is a picture of the world. They went back to their old profession. So they are there, and Jesus is there. You know, they fish all night and catch nothing. Catch nothing. And then in the morning, suddenly Jesus is there. And in these two accounts, Luke 24 John 21, so strange, they don't recognize Jesus. You know, that shows that when you come to people, don't come looking like Jesus. Do do you understand? Don't come, I'm coming to shepherd you now. Yeah, don't do that. You have to be incognito. You have to be an incognito shepherd. So, but in John, what do you see? The Lord is on the seashore. And he asked them another question. Another question to which he already knew the answer. Little children, he calls them little children. Little children, you don't have anything to eat, do you? No. Actually, I really wonder. This is another thing. If you stop and consider what was going on in the boat. And the... You know, you read it and it just goes so quickly that, oh, and they talk to him. Don't you think in the boat, some of the brothers said, who's this guy? I wish he'd leave us alone. If I were there, I would think to say, mind your own business. And I don't know if they thought that, but they didn't say that. And so they, they start engaging with the Lord. And what does he say? Cast the net on the other side. Oh, when this happened, I'm thinking, would one of them say, what difference is that going to make? Maybe one of them said, just do it. Humor him, he might go away. I don't know. But they did that. And then all the fish, 153. And that's significant as well. And the large fish rush into the net. And then John, I think John is the one that says, It's the Lord, Peter. And then jumps into the water. Do you realize he helped them first? Before unveiling who he was? But how did he help them? In this case, he didn't walk seven miles with them. In this case, he had a limit. He stayed on the shore, and they were in the sea. But he didn't condemn them for being in the sea. 
He just helped them to accomplish what they... But, from here. You know, in this case, he doesn't even walk on the water. You know, he could have, but he did not. So what does this show us? This shows us another principle is sanctification. We must maintain in our households a standard of sanctification for their sakes. For their sakes, there's some things we wouldn't do. For their sakes, there's other things we would do. You know, the Lord Jesus himself in John 17, 19 said, For their sakes, the disciples, I sanctify myself. But this doesn't mean, you know, sanctification means to be holy. But this does not mean to have a holier-than-thou attitude. This is not that with my standard of holiness, I condemn you. I condemn others, including our children. But we maintain a level of sanctification. And I would say one particular area we must maintain our sanctification is in is in the matter of our speaking, our words. Our words, the words that we exchange between mother and father, the older generation in the household. And I don't mean, I don't mean disputations. I mean loose talking. Even talking about the saints, talking about brothers and sisters, talking about the affairs of the church, things in, going on in the church life. We need to be careful about our attitudes. We need to be careful even of our facial expressions. Oh, there's a parents' conference. Oh, I don't know if there was ever a re- response from your spouse. Oh, another conference? Even that. Be careful. Because, because another principle is this. All the time, all the time, we are sowing tiny seeds by our actions. All the time. The things we do sow seeds. The way we spend our money or the way we don't spend our money. Where we go to vacation. How long we go to vacation. The timing of our vacation. All these things sow seeds to the children. Saints, you know, on our, on our updated website, I hope you've all gone there just to take a look. On our updated website, we now have a calendar of the whole year so the families know well in advance. That way, that way, when you're planning something for your family, uh, make sure, make sure the children know, and, and actually another principle, what the priority is in your household. Make sure this is a, another, another point. What are the priorities? What governs your household? Sometimes you don't have to preach to the children. Just our actions is a message. When we, when we have the church life in its proper place in our lives, the children, the children just know. Actually, the children can be quite happy. Quite happy. You know, with this, many of us were touched uh, when we were in, in uh, this example that was brought out in a recent training. Actually, it's in, in the scripture. Where, in uh, Numbers, I believe, 
in, in when, they, when they had the array of the 12 tribes with the tabernacle in the middle and each th- set of three tribes to the east, to the north, to the west, to the south. But every tent faced the tabernacle. I hope, I hope that would be our reality. I hope that would be our reality in the church life here in New York City. Every tent faces the tabernacle. What does that mean? That means Christ and the church is first. Christ and the church is first. And eventually, if you have that kind of atmosphere, the, the children will just, they just know. They just know. I won't, even, I won't even sign up for that thing because I know that, no, Lord's Days, we go to the church meeting. Oh, no, I won't even sign up for that because, because the summer school is on certain date. That you just know. And the children can be quite happy. Actually, saints, many of, many of us here, many of us here who are second and third generation believers, this, this is how you were raised. This is how you were raised. I hope, I hope you would not, you would not compromise your family's legacy. Because you turned out pretty okay. Don't feel the pressure from the world. Oh, if, no, things have changed and I need to, well, yes, society have changed. That's true. But make sure your tent is still facing the same way. Society can change. But don't change the direction of your tent. Don't change the direction of the door of your tent. Your children will be fine. Your children will be happy. And their testimony will be, can be, just as yours. That actually, at the end, you, you did not suffer. You did not suffer. The things that you thought you were missing out on at the time, actually, no, no. The positive things that have come out of your families pursuing Christ and the church greatly outweigh whatever losses or sufferings you felt along the way. Yes, in the moment, I think quite a number of you can testify. You fought against what your parents were doing. But eventually, eventually, today, no regret. No regret. And the positive, everything positive, what's come out of your family legacy greatly outweighs whatever temporal suffering there was. I think many of us can give this kind of, this kind of testimony. Um, another point, well, actually this is kind of embedded in many things that we, were, that we have already been talking about, is the parents as parents, and then even eventually as older siblings, we are the patterns. We're the patterns. It's not a matter of preaching. It's a matter of example. And again, in our words, in our actions, or in our inaction. When, when, uh, when things come out, in, even in the news, and you know, today, today, the, the whole atmosphere in this country is so polarized, so polarized. It's very easy for parents just to say something 
that gives the children the impression of where you stand in this whole, in this whole thing. Even that, I would say, pass it through the cross. Because we are patterns. We are patterns. The children are looking. In, in, in Brother Nee's message, he says, there's always two or four or six eyes on you. And they don't remember, they don't remember so much what we say. They remember what we did. And he points this out. Even when we're gone, the children will remember your pattern. As I read that, I, I say, has, it's so true. So true. Things about my mother and my father. I just remember them. Remember them. Even my father, who was not a believer for many years, just his care for the family, for me, and so on. Many things still speak to me from, from, that, from that pattern. Another one, maybe this... Maybe we should have mentioned this first, but I'll mention it now. Is oneness. Oneness. You know, uh, in Matthew 12, this phrase, this, this verse that many of us are familiar with, a house divided cannot stand. A house divided cannot stand. We need a household of oneness. We need a household of one accord between the mother and the father. Now, even in the church life, it doesn't, even though we enjoy one accord, doesn't mean we agree all the time. But then we have fellowship. We have fellowship. And as we go to the Lord, the Lord brings us into one mind. And then, and then there's the one accord and the one moving forward. Oh, that all the households could have such experience. Even there's some disagreement about something behind the closed doors, not in front of the children. And, and a, a, an exercise of both going to the Lord and then being brought into one mind. Oh, that we could have this kind of experience in, in every household. Saints, when there's oneness, it's, there is commanded blessing. There is commanded blessing. And that, that is not only, that is not only in the church life, that is also in our families, in our family life. Maybe that's enough for now. Maybe I'll say that much. Brothers, I don't know if you want to jump in with something or we just ask the saints first to say something. Yeah. Yeah, we have 30 minutes. Saints, please, feel free to respond. Um, confirm with any testimonies you may have. Amen. But my point, maybe I'll repeat what I said at the beginning. My point is this, saints. You may have times of the family meeting together, but if you don't have this, there's no foundation. That's just, it's just an outward kind of activity. The foundation for our worship is actually our daily living. Amen.
know your name. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Oh, hi. Great. Oh, Lord Jesus. I just praise the Lord for this time. I, I hesitate to get up and say anything because um, in many respects I'm a failure. But I want to confirm uh, certain points in the message. Um, my father used to say a lot of things to me, and most of them were critical because, you know, I wasn't perfect. He would say, stand up straight or write things down that I tell you. But one of my most cherished memories is one afternoon, uh, my brother and my dad and me, we sat around the dining room table, and the afternoon sun was streaming through the windows, and we built model airplanes together. I can remember every detail. I built a constellation with TWA markings, and my brother built a Boeing 727 with Delta markings. I can remember all of that because it's such a cherished memory. Because my father, like Ricky said, you show an interest and you do things together with your kids. Um, I didn't do too many things together with my kids, but recently um, with one of my sons, I, I did two things. I, I changed the washer in the bathroom and I showed him how to do it you know, shut the water off, do that stuff, and just, I didn't talk about anything spiritual, because that sun doesn't meet, you know, whatever, okay, and then another time, a piece of the awning blew off, and my son and I worked uh, together on that, but the, it was just wonderful, just to spend time doing things with your kids. Um, yeah, several months ago, I was looking through some papers, and I saw our wedding invitation, and, um, it says on there, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Joshua 24:15, And we failed in many respects, but we tried to have our tent face the church. Okay? And um, my wife, when we used to go on vacation out of town, we would set it up so we were never out of town on the weekend because we didn't want to miss any meetings. Praise the Lord that we can have such a, uh, uh, a pattern. And, and my parents, when we went on vacation, actually, they took us to Harvey Cedars. <laughs> when I was a kid, I have pictures, because that was a godly place, and we heard preaching and stuff. So praise the Lord for our families. You see, Satan is attacking the families, and damaging them because he's afraid of, of what the families can do if we all serve the Lord. But we can fight for the Lord by taking care of our families. And this is, this is what the church, what, what the people in the world want. Uh, even my son, he, he sees my wife and my marriage and he, he wants something like that. And so I said to him, son, this type of marriage is in the church. See, when we have the proper human living, this is what people in the world want. But they don't have the ability to do it because they don't have the life of God in them. But we have the life of God in us and we have the other brothers and sisters to encourage us. And the ones that went before us and made mistakes, they share you know, their experience with us so that we don't have to make the same mistakes. Praise the Lord. It's such a blessing that we can be here this morning to hear this. And you know what? It's never too late 
My kids are grown, but it's never too late. Praise the Lord that we can be here. We pray that we would be doers of the Word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this speaking. You know, we are really, we are really blessed to hear this Word. You know, when I was raising my children, I did not have much fellowship, didn't get much fellowship, but I, Brother Nee shared about the new believers. That was my guide. People read Dr. Spock. I had that too, but that didn't help me. But that one, that was my, you know, about parenting, friends, even though I was already married. But I really encourage all of you to read that. It's, even though it was written so long ago, but it's really, we can apply it. There's so many points here I want to share, but anyway, I'll be fast, okay? Interest. I remember uh, maybe a year ago, I heard Brother Ricky's um, testimony saying that showing interest. Well, I only have two daughters, but the Lord gave me a chance to be with a second chance as a grandparent to be with five children. And he shared, he said, show interest. Well, I don't have a boy. Here Samuel is a boy. He said, show interest. Well, he's interested in what? He's 12 years old now. He was interested in soccer. I don't know anything about soccer. As he said, who cares about soccer? But you know what? I took his word. And I, when he comes home, I, I asked him, so what did you do? She said, soccer practice. So I don't know anything about soccer. Tell me. You know what? That opened, you know, because when they become a teenager, they would, I always tell them, I said, you know, when my grandson does not want to hug me anymore, I will cry. And he said, don't worry, I'll always hug you. <laughs> but anyway, with that thing, it just kept our thing going. Another thing is that Brother Ricky said, we are so interested in affairs because I'm there, you know, I have to get things done, you know, I'm that kind. Do we care about the people? The Lord really exposed me. Lord, I repent. I take care of so many affairs, but I need to care about their souls. Yeah. Another point is about seeds. We're sowing seeds every day. Yeah. You know, are we a pattern? This morning I was exposed. I was downstairs eating breakfast with the kids. And the kids knew that I was uh, helping with the, as seniors, we, are, we sign up to help with the children. And two, two of them told me, why, Paul? Don't get stressed out. They are boys that you cannot handle, you know. So the Lord just showed me, what kind of pattern am I? All they see is a stressed out grandma. They always say, somebody's very chilled. I said, yeah, that's what I need. I'm never chilled. I'm always stressed. And when they say that, the Lord just exposed, Lord, what kind of pattern am I living? Every day, do I live out Christ? I live on myself. But I just thank the Lord for, for this fellowship. Last thing is about the oneness. I'm with the grandchildren. Sometimes they say things about their parents or other people. I might not agree, but Lord, the oneness, not only between husband and wife, between parents and grandparents. I learned that lesson. Never, never right. expose. Right. Just be in the oneness. You know what? When there's the oneness, there's the blessing. Yeah, yeah. Too many points, too many points. I wish many of you would share. Amen. Um, yeah, there are too many points, and I almost didn't get up because, like the brother said, I just feel like, how can I say anything? I've, I just look back on my journey, and it's just full of failure. So I think my first point is that I want to encourage you, if your kids are younger or wherever your stage is, like, it's not too late. Right. There's always hope. Jump right in, take the word, and your family will be blessed. Um, 
And uh, something else that touched me, this, you know, if you've spent any time with me, you know I'm totally punitive. I parent my kids in anger. I've failed 10 million times, maybe more. But I think that this matter of showing interest and communicating with them, maybe that kind of covers some of that. Um, and I, I, as the brothers were speaking, I was wondering, yeah, you know, we do, as parents, we show lots and lots of interest when they're little. Oh, and this little board book, and let's go get some new books. And, you know, all the, we're totally interested in every detail of their lives. Why do we stop being interested, stop being involved? I think it's just because we can, right? We're like, oh, they're safe now. I can just go and do something else. Oh, they have a tablet now. Oh, they have a something. And I, and I just feel like... Over the years, we've been really strict with that stuff. Like my 12-year-old doesn't have a phone. Um, they don't have any of their own electronics. And even my 15-year-old, his phone is a phone. <laughs> like not a computer in the pocket like I have. Um, and that has forced us to be more interactive, right? Because they don't have this like thing where they can just go disappear. Um, and I, and I feel like even now, I'll sit and watch movies with them. I will listen to their ridiculous video games that I let them play sometimes. And I, they know I'm not interested, but they also know that I'm still listening, at least like a little bit. <laughs> but you know what? I will tell you, my 15-year-old is quiet, but my 12-year-old is very vocal because he's like me. And I think that over the years, all that time that I spent with them comes back and pays back because my son has asked me hard questions. Like, I don't always know how to answer them. Like, my son asked me recently, could God be a she? He asked me, he has asked me, does God hate transgender people? He has asked me, are all Muslims terrorists? Hard questions, saints, but I don't want anybody else to answer them. I don't want him to go to some person, some counselor at school, some friend, some friend's parent except in the church. I want him to come to me with those questions because at least then I can go to the Lord and see how to answer. So I feel like there are, there are so many points here. Um, but for me, I think the most important one is, is that spend time with your kids. Don't just try to placate them. Don't give them a something to get rid of them while you prepare for the meeting. It's time well spent sitting with them and being with them and knowing, with the, knowing them, even when they are a little older, seven, eight, nine, ten. Don't, don't just send them to their room. Be with them. Let them help you prepare. Amen. Amen. Okay. So um, I have the same burden as Pythia, really, communication and interest. Because, you know, the kids are over there next door, and some of them, they don't even look you in the eye when you're talking to them. And there's some new kids, and we're trying to get them to play games together, and sometimes they don't. They don't even know how to begin to communicate. And like Brother Stephen said, you know, the, the enemy is after the families because this, this is what God set up for us to raise our children in. It's the most healthy, normal. There are different ages, and that's so healthy. It's, that's why it's so difficult in school. They're all together with one age group. Nobody's there really to teach them well. But in your household... You have the older siblings, you have the parents there, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. You talk about class size being so big. At home, you have just your few children. It seems like a lot. But 
to communicate with them, and like Pythia said, the electronics make it even more necessary these days. Children are having a hard time communicating face-to-face, -face. so it's really up to the parents to help them. But the part that's often missing is the listening part. Communication isn't just talking. It's really listening, and they don't learn to listen if we don't listen. And yes, we know better, and yes, we know what they're going to say, and we can cut them off and tell them what they need to know because we know we're parents, but they need to be listened to. We need to hear them. They need to know that we hear them. And it's not always easy. Sometimes they might be telling you, I mean, I can remember this experience. I play it back like a movie when I talk about it, when my son was telling me terrible things that he was doing. I mean, I told him I was worried about him because I didn't know where he was certain times. So he said, okay, look, this is what I'm doing. And inside I was dying like, no, no, you're not. Stop, don't tell me. But I just nodded and listened. Thank God he was telling me. Now I knew. I knew what I was dealing with. You know, even when it's bad stuff, you've got to hear it. Because if you don't hear it, then you don't know. Thank goodness they tell you. Thank goodness they ask you the hard questions. To keep the lines of communication open is never easy, but it's always worthwhile. And listening is the biggest part. When they're um, middle, age, middle school age, I feel like it's really crucial. I'm in a middle school, and you can see the kids making life choices, who they're going to run with, and the parents kind of freaking out and, and being more hands-off, like, oh, they're bigger now. It is really the wrong reaction. When your kids get to that age, you need to be more hands-on, go into the school, volunteer. Some parents say, oh, my kids don't want me on school trips. Too bad. <laughs> Go on the school trips and you see, you know, stand back, don't be hovering, but you can see, you can see what's going on. You get an idea of the atmosphere, what they're dealing with. We, we think, oh, we know better, but we don't know what they experience every day. We really do need to hear them because they're growing up in an age that we did not grow up in. So to hear them and understand their perception, their experience, I mean, this texting stuff and the bullying stuff. Somebody was telling me the other day, you know, it used to stop when he went home from school. He got a break. Today they don't get a break. It continues. It's in their palm of their hand. The, so the, what they're experiencing is different from what we experience. So to listen is so crucial. Um, and another thing about making the tent facing um, the tabernacle, just... To do things with the saints is another way to take care of that. Being in the meetings and everything is good. I remember Sister Elizabeth organizing ice skating things for the kids. Those were awesome. My kids remember that so well. They would rent out the whole ice skating rink. We were sanctified. We would play the hymns instead of skating to whatever. And, and they were all together. And sometimes it takes the parents to do that. Don't wait for the church to have an activity. The parents get together. Then the parents get to know each other. Then the kids get to know each other, and they grow up together. Amen. This is a real blessing. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Saints, the enemy can do all the three things. Steal, kill, and destroy. But praise the Lord, we can turn to him.
You know, this morning, just hearing this message, I went through it just yesterday, just a couple hours ago. The very exact thing the brother have just said is what I went through. You know, I was home with my um, stepson. Um, well, I call him stepson right now, but as to him, I just said to him, you know, um, we are together, we are in our life together, you and I, and for me, there is no stepping. We walk together, you know, and he accepted that. You know, so I saw that he was in kind of a, he wasn't himself, so I just asked if he needed to talk. And he started off, but he don't really know, he don't really know, you know. So I started to talk, and as the brother said, you know, we listened to them. So I realized what was happening, and then I stopped and allowed him then to, to, to speak. And as he started to speak, he just unfolded many things that was happening to him. You know, so it, as the brother said, it's just a matter of listening. And it's exactly, you know, you have the atmosphere of love and communication and interest. And this is the things that I, as Lord Jesus, as the brother spoke, is exactly how it happened, you know. And then we went on. We, I, I kind of like stepped in a bit, and I started to, to, some words from from the ministry just came to me. But then I saw his face was kind of like wrinkled, and I was like, okay, let me step back. So then, I then again allowed him to speak, and he he spoke so beautiful. He expressed, he explained exactly what, how he's feeling, what he's going through. And that moment, we just, we just actually cry together, you know, and to see how, how God is working in families. Lord Jesus, it is so, it's so awesome, you know, for us. You know, children, we, we're in the same position, and we need to allow them to, to speak, to, to see what is happening inside. They know. You know, we may be the doctor, but they're the patient. And we got to let the patient explain what is happening inside so that we now can give the medicine to, to help them through this life. So this morning, you know, this morning, I will miss it for the world. <laughs> and it's, it's so awesome to see that in families, we have to have that oneness. Without that oneness, we are lost. And we really need to continue to pray to God and accept the things, even, even bad times, you know. We accept the bad times and we accept the good times, you know, because we know that in all these bad things, something good will, will happen, you know. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Um, I just wanted to share a couple of things in the way, I guess, of testimony. Oh, sorry. I just wanted to share a couple of things, I guess, in the way of testimony. I'm not very experienced. I'm new to um, parenting. Um, but some of the things that the brothers shared really resonated, especially with this matter of taking interest in our children. Um, I, just with my, my three-year-old already, I've had the experience that just being before the Lord and grappling with this matter of, like, how do we discipline our children and how do we sort of train them into, you know, coming into, like, the proper humanity, have the proper behavior. Um, I, I've noticed that there, there's been this sort of a turn in um, kind of my relationship with my daughter. 
um, ever since I've, I've started to invest a lot more time in playing with her and in sort of having this kind of relationship where um, kind of befriending her more, um, the more that we've developed this relationship, the more it's, it, it's kind of been easier to discipline her. Like, whereas before, I, you know, if she was doing something that wasn't right, um, she could be kind of stubborn about, you know, me trying to gear her in the right direction. But recently, because she just enjoys, like, the company, uh, just, you know, the companionship with mom so much, just to see me upset is enough for her to, you know, want to change course or alter her behavior because it's enough of a, of, a, of a, I guess, punishment for her that we would sort of lose that, you know, relationship, even for a moment. So even just to see my, my face vexed. Whereas before, I had to try so much harder, right? I had to figure out, like, you're going to get a timeout, this and that. Because there wasn't that, you know, she didn't value that. The more, the more we befriend our children, the more they value that we maintain that, you know, that relationship in a good place. And then it's going to be easier for us to guide them and discipline them. So that's one. The, the second thing is that in this, in this matter of, like, entering into their world, and getting interested in the things that they're interested in. I also have this sort of like uh, burden in, in kind of the opposite direction for my children, and I'm kind of before the Lord on how to accomplish this, which is that sometimes I've, I notice that in, I don't know if it's generational, I don't know if it's always been this way, if it's like normal behavior, but um, kids, especially when they reach a certain age, seem to like view the adult world as this alien thing and like they seem to have no interest in our things or much less the things of like grandma's generation and there's there's just this divide you know and so similarly and how like you know I feel like there's this need for us to enter into their world I also see the need to sort of open a door for them to enter into ours um, so that they have this ability to relate to people across generations. I, I see, I'm not saying, you know, I see it in the church, but I actually just see it in general in, in the way, I don't know if it's because of the way that our, our society kind of like stratifies or creates these levels of like, you know, growing up, that it, 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 there's a divide there, right? And, and it seems like, all of this wealth of experience that maybe grandma may have of through her, you know, just living life, the kids have no, no they can't inherit that legacy because they don't know them. They, they don't have an interest in these things. So in the same way, like, I, I just have such a burden, and I'm before the Lord, that we would also, he would give us the wisdom and how to, to have the children um, take on the things of, I don't want to, I don't know how else to say it, but kind of like the adult world. Um, a little bit earlier, you know, sometimes they're even like, they graduate college and they still feel like, well, I'm in this category of person. And, you know, at, at some point, you know, I, I, I hope that earlier on they can start to take on the responsibility and, and, and feel that the things of their family are their own as well. Um, so I, I try to practice in little things, like if I'm at home doing some sort of work and she's curious about it. I mean, she's only three, but I can tell her, how to type letters into a computer, like whatever at her level, but introducing her into also my interests and the things that I do with the, with the, with the kitchen, like how to make pancakes. The, you know, just try to like 
close that gap is, is, is my burden. And I think, you know, very much for, for the church there is that need that they wouldn't feel that they, they have a separate section of the church life, but the church life is theirs and ours kind of in, in the same way. So, amen. amen. Praise the Lord for the church life. No, I thank God for the church life because, you know, in 2016, I realized I have a very burden for my community. I grew up with the parents that my mom was very strict. My dad, if I go and said, well, my mom wanted to beat me for so and so, he said, well, he called my mom, you still, he said, whatever you still say, she's right. And I think that saved me today because I got saved at 16 because every Sunday when I wanted that, I got to go to four Sunday school. Got to go to Pentecost, I got to go to Noble, I got to go to Anglican, got to go to Catholic, because my father was Catholic, my mom was Anglican, my sister was, younger, was, was a Pentecostal. So I live in that kind of realm. But my mom was very strict. But in 2016, somehow, I began to realize that, just as our brother opening word in the first message, how Satan is arranging for destroy our families. And in the church back home where in Antigua, where I'm from, we don't have much young people. So 2016, I spent 16 months between Miami, the church in Miami, and the church in Atlanta, just to study how to deal with young people. I have the books, and, and the New Believers have the, all the books. I was reading them, but somehow the practicality how to administrate these things was not in me, even though I, I hear them. Strange enough, you know, we have about 30-something 30, 30 young people between junior high and high schoolers. They are, most of them, they are community um, children, which I decide to go out to bring them into the church. I'm here, but I'm communicating with them almost every week. And what I realize is that we have to be so careful because I, I, I sometimes you think that Certain things the person says is not for you. From since 1973, I have never been to a movie. I come here, and somebody said to me, stay with the family in, 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 um, in, in California. We are going to the movies tonight. I said, movies? I don't go to the movies. That was my first reaction. I do not go to movies. But then I said, you know, something said to me, you need to go. So I went to the movies from since 1973, up to 2000, I went to the movies for the first time in all those years. And I asked myself, you know, many times the young people, they have their birthday, I take them to pizza, I take them to the Chinese restaurants, I take them to Kentucky. But they said, we need to go to the movies. I said to them, no, I don't go to the movies. But then I was reading in, in, the, same, in the same book, I believe, a brother was saying, you know, sometimes you may not go to the movies, but take them to the movies and promise to pick them back up. I find that was tough to do it because, but it's a way that those children, because of my communication and being in their world and my interests, they will call me here and they will say to me, you know, nobody come and pick me up today. That shows the kind of, because of the interest I have, you know, my kids, they're in the church. I will like to have even them better. But you know, today I learned so much. Because realize we we in our own spiritual quote unquote world, not realizing that these children in their world, how do we bring them from their world into our world, is having interest. Because our interest must be a sanctifying interest. Amen. 
You know, it's not just having an interest. Because, you know, many times, as the brother rightly pointed out, you could, what time we cut off. Amen. But saints, praise the Lord for this time. I just really feel, just like the Lord sovereignly helped me to be here, to hear the word. So when I get back home, I can better administrate the young people that I'm dealing with. Praise the Lord for this word. Record number for all these fellowships, and uh, because we we have been going on, but uh, we are blessed. Amen. And uh, just like a brother Stephen mentioned, I have to say many aspects. I'm so f- such a failure, yeah, such a failure in yeah, everything. But uh, still, brothers and sisters, there's we can all learn from our failures, and grand- grandparents, parents, and uh, parents to be. And those who are looking forward forward to forming new families, and uh, none of us really is that uh, perfect. Not a single family really can have all these aspects. Okay, so just just like the the scriptures, not everyone will experience every verse. Okay? So all these fellowships, I think these are principles, are reminders that we are different people. We are different people from the world. And uh, in Paul's writing, and from the gospel actually, to Paul's writing, there's one con- very inclusive word. The word is walk. The word walk. Walk in Him. Walk in Spirit. Walk in love. Walk, 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 but not walk in flesh. Not walk in the worldly patterns. If you check, actually Paul used the word walk in almost every of his writings, every book of his writings. If you look at these principles our brother dissected and walk in the Lord, walk in love. Walk in spirit. Walk in the church life. Walk with the saints. You know, this will be a great salvation. And uh, none, none of us really can walk alone. Or even by any principle in the world. It doesn't matter from what kind of a line of a thinking, philosophy, or anything. Brothers and sisters recently begin to study some of this. Any, anyone got educated in, in their formative years before the 19, 1990s, you're very much influenced by a lot of other thoughts. And those who are after 1990s, we are being influenced by many so-called modern, but yet very destructive thoughts as well. And maybe this afternoon, if we do have a time, or we're thinking in the sisters' time, we're going to talk about this because we needed to know What's behind the enemy's strategies? And unknowingly, knowingly, we are all being uh, entrusted into those thinkings. And uh, one thing I want to mention before uh, our report is, brothers and sisters, we have our calendar. Go to churchinnyc.org. Okay, if you use a cell phone, if you have a cell phone, there on the right of a corner, there are some lines. You touch it, and there's, that's the manual will show up. There's a calendar. And I want to emphasize this, brothers and sisters. And a Chinese school 
is not that important. Gifted programs is not that important. We have been sucked into those through generations. Those of、um, all mirrors, all mirage of cheating. Brothers and sisters, church life is the priority, and、uh, all our children and young people's activities prioritize those as your family life, as your church life. Since we know we are in a rushing currents of the world tide, but if we stand together as a community, as the church, we do. And we are against that tide, and we can stand in that tide. Make the priorities. Just maybe today, make a one priority of our scheduling, and make sure our church life, our family life, is oriented, is anchored with all these activities in the church. Since really, if, if in, this year is long enough, is early enough, and、uh, before summer, before summer break, before this program, that program, and、uh, mark your calendars. Anything come into conflict, or take second seat, or take a lower priority. Use the church life as the top priorities, and、uh, particularly for Chinese-speaking saints. Chinese school is not important. Church life is important.、Amen. They learn Chinese or no Chinese is not important. Trust me, they will learn Chinese when they grow up. If you force them now, they will matter with you. Just set the priorities. If the timing is proper, that's fine. But if it's against the church life, particularly a lot of Chinese schools, they set up on Lord's days. Set up on Lord's days. Whatever the Chinese school is, at twelve thirty, one o'clock, on the Lord's day, and in the morning they have to do Chinese homework. <laughs> Set it aside, not, not to use that to disrupt our church life.、Amen. Doesn't matter. It's traditional Chinese or simplified Chinese. I don't know if there's a Spanish school, there's a Korean school. All of this, brothers and sisters. Set this, at least this one priority.、Mm-hmm. I don't know how many other priorities Brother Ricky would had in mind, but set this priority. Take a look at the calendar, mark the calendars, and set your family life and in line with the church life.、Amen. Praise the Lord! If we do this one thing, I mean, this is worth the breakfast, the lunch, and time here. <laughs> Praise the Lord! And this year, particularly our SST, okay, gonna be a little early. Gonna start on July 28th, and then our, our, we're gonna have two two segments: high schooler and a middle school. And we know we heard some talk. So all、oh, we have kids gonna go to this program, that program. Sorry, <laughs> change your calendar.、Amen. We're not gonna change our calendar in the church because we have to care. For the saints, change your calendar. Thank you. Amen. I really want to underline the calendar function on our website. I've been waiting it for a long time. <laughs> 
So it's really great to have the calendar out because, you know, as one who serves young people for a period of time, many times it aches me to find out that the parents didn't know the, the time of the conference or summer school of the truth, so they have booked something else. So now we don't have that excuse anymore. It's on our church calendar function. So uh, get used to checking the calendar in the church website. Uh, we'll take uh, an hour break for lunch now from 1 to 2. We'll come back here at 2. Uh, again, we would ask the parents to pick up your children's first before going to uh, lunch. All downstairs are available for you to have lunch. We also have uh, a room over there set up table. You can bring your lunch up here to, to enjoy a uh, sit-down lunch at the table there. Uh, you can also eat in the fellowship room. Um, so, uh, and also for, uh, for the serving, for the service with the children's meeting, uh, we're still looking for volunteer between 2.30 and 3, uh, 3 o'clock segment, and from 3 to 3.30. So if you're available to serve and watch the kids for just 30 minutes, please sign up on the table there, uh, maybe as you're picking up the children, or you can go a little afterwards. So now, please, uh, all the parents who have kids there, We'll, we'll let you go and pick up your children first <clears throat> before we dismiss everybody. <clears throat> the next meeting will be at 2 o'clock. 2 o'clock. Uh, we'll end the conference at 3.30. Uh, all the parents, please pick up your children right now. And uh, we're dismissed for lunch.